out there. Everybody staying nice and cool? It's kind of hot. It's kind of miserable out there, but that's okay. I've already changed my shirt once today, so welcome to Church Project. If you're a, first, if you're a first-time guest, we want you just to relax and enjoy yourself. I know we have some guests in town, Jake and Amy Smith, if you know them. Yeah, give it up for them. I know we have some other guests in town, and we also have... Um, all of our students are down right now in Texas, so we're complaining about being hot in Greeley. All our students from our church project here in Greeley met the students from church project in the Woodlands, Texas, and they're down right outside Austin having camp together, and uh, who knows what they're all experiencing, but I've gotten a couple texts from Jared and, and Jesse down there, our youth pastors, and saying everything's going well down there. And the students are learning a lot about the promises of God. That's the theme for their camp, is the promises of God. And so I'm excited to to hear what God is showing them when they get back here in a couple days. Welcome to Church Project. Um, We hold the Bible in high regard. So that means you really need to have a Bible. Uh, And so if you would, open your Bible to James chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 7. If you do not own a Bible, there's a Bible near you. And if you want to grab one of those, you don't own a Bible, that's our gift to you. Uh, But we're on page uh, 700 in that blue Bible. And so we're glad that you're here today. Um, You know, James is an incredible book. And James is also known as a, is, is kind of uh, the, the Proverbs of the New Testament. And so as you would read the Proverbs in the Old Testament and its ways to live your life and align your life, James is the same thing for us in the New Testament. And James is standing before the church and he's saying, hey, church, uh, a church right here, believers, here is what I want to instruct you on how to live your life as followers of Christ. And so we're nearing the end of James. We've been in it for a while, and we're going to be closing up pretty soon because there's only five chapters in James. So uh, hopefully you've been following along, and hopefully today the message that you get is, is very, very powerful. I got to tell you, um, Jeff and Ginger pray for, for me specifically um, every Sunday right before the message, and, and thank you guys. I, I, I love doing that, and I hope that we become a church that's more and more intentional about prayer and more and more coming in and just praying over uh, what God has here and praying over Scripture. But one of the things I told them this morning as they asked, you know, what can we pray over? I, I, I said, when I first hit this message and started studying it earlier on this week, I was confused. I'm like, I don't know what we're going to do with this. Like, I, God, I don't know. Have you ever read a passage and you're just like, I, you know, okay, awesome. And, and as, I, as I sat on it and read on it, um, I, I really got convicted in some areas. And so this morning when I finalized, yes, this morning when I finalized the message, I was so pumped that, that the word that I think God has for us is just real. It's just fresh this morning and it's biblical centric. And so it's going to come out of the text today. So let me go ahead and start. If you have your blue Bible, it's on page 7. If you have just a regular Bible, James chapter 5, start in verse 7. So, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and late rains, and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Verse 9. Yeah, right. We're not getting into verse 9. We're going to be on two verses today. In fact, when I started this, I was like, okay, we're going to go all the way through, through verse 11 and 12. And, and as God really narrowed in the, the, the message today, we're going to hit two verses. So if you were here last week, Weston Kerr spoke, did an incredible job, covered about 30 verses. So I figured we'd slow down. 
we'd get back to our pace. We're going to do two verses today. I want to, I want to address uh, the, the room right now because today is Father's Day. And, and all of us have fathers. Congratulations at one point in our life. Um, some are alive and, and some have passed on. Some are dead right now. And some of our fathers, our earthly fathers, were great. Some of our earthly fathers, though, were terrible. And today is a day that we celebrate, some of us, and some of us we mourn as we're in this place. And so if you're one that celebrates in this place, I I, I say congratulations, Father, and celebrate that. And if you're one that mourns, I think today this message is especially for you. Because today, it's, it's hard when we talk about father and we talk about our earthly father. If, we, if we've had a bad experience with our earthly father, it's hard to relate to our father in heaven and who he is. And so in this place, I pray that it is healing for you if you've had a bad experience as far as fathers go, earthly fathers. But as we look at this, we speak not of our earthly fathers in this passage. We speak of something that surpasses even the best day that we've ever experienced with our earthly father. We speak of our father in heaven today. So I pray that our hearts are gripped in this passage. I pray that forgiveness happens. I pray that healings hap- healing happens in your life. I pray that today's the day that you're set free from chains that maybe Satan has bound around your mind and your thinking. And I pray the freshness of these two verses, as deep as they are, I pray the freshness of these two verses jump off the page of the Bible and really impact each and every one of us. So let's look at verse 7 as we get into this. It says, be patient. Patient. The, uh, the original text word for this is makthroimau, which means this. It means to remain tranquil while waiting. Okay, has, has anyone remained tranquil while waiting in a traffic jam? Has anyone remained tra- tranquil while waiting? And, and it talks about here patience. It says, be patient to remain tranquil while waiting. The farmer has done his work and trusts the seasons. The, the farmer knows what season it's time to move the soil and, and get it all agitated. The farmer knows when to leave the soil alone. The farmer knows when to plant. The farmer knows when to water. The farmer does what the farmer does, but the farmer has learned to trust the seasons because the seasons are beyond his or her control. And this verse says here, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the the early and the late rains. I can see James talking to the early church. In this context, James is talking to the early church, and and this is just a few years after Jesus himself has walked the earth, and he's died, and and he's resurrected again. And and so James is talking to the early church, and persecution is starting to happen, and they're being spread out throughout the diaspora. And James has closed the door, and he said, hey, listen, we're going to have the family meeting. And here's the family meeting, church. Slow down. Be patient. Trust God. Stay focused. And I'm sure he pulled up YouTube and showed him the, the commercial of Heinz Ketchup. Remember? Worth the wait. Was it Heinz Ketchup? Remember anyone? Okay, I don't remember. Oh, it's worth the wait. It's worth the wait. I'm sure James is doing that and he's saying it's all worth the wait. And all we know as humans is this time. Time. 
temporal time. And God continually in Scripture invites us to join him in the eternal. James is standing before the church and he's saying, Church, all you know is this time right here. This temporal stuff as human beings. But God is calling us out of the temporal and he's calling us into the eternal. And he's saying, it's worth the wait. Be patient. Be patient with what God is doing in your heart, in your mind. And be patient with what he's doing with your church and the body. Be patient. It's worth the wait. So James says, be patient, therefore, brothers and sisters, until the coming of the Lord. Until the coming of the Lord, if if you go and you begin to search this and and research this and kind of get into it and study it, I mean, you'll go on random tangents. Like, it'll, it'll take you so far down the road, and I love that about the Bible, except sometimes I get, I get distracted by shiny things. And so I start out studying the verses and studying the passage, and like, right on, and then all of a sudden, I'm way over here going, okay, let's come on back. So today, for your sake, we're not going this way. We're going to stay right here on the text. As it says, until the coming of the Lord, this is literally until the parousa, which means the, the presence was ushered in and the royal visit came. And so it says, until the coming of the Lord, and says, be patient until royalty comes to visit. I was uh, on a trip a few months ago, downtown Denver. It was actually during the, the marriage retreat. So if you went to the marriage retreat, maybe you saw this as well. But that Saturday, as we were all packing up our, our bags to go home, there were secret service agents all over the place. Did you notice them? They were everywhere. And right downtown, I think Hillary Clinton was speaking that day, and someone else was speaking that day. I don't know what was all happening, because I'm not following it that well. But I just know that the secret services were there, and they were watching, and they were watching me, and they were watching cars, and they were doing whatever the things that they do to make sure that the people they're protecting are safe. And I remember, if you've ever been to Washington, D.C., I happened to be in Washington, D.C. at a time where the, where the president was addressing the nation. And I was, I was walking around this area in Washington, D.C. They had streets closed. They had helicopters flying. They had, they had cop cars everywhere. You heard sirens the whole time as the president was speaking. And nearing the end, you saw limos, just tons of limos leaving where he was speaking. And one limo would go this way, and one limo would go that way. And all a diversion. You don't know who's where doing what. And the cars are going. The helicopters are going. And I guarantee I had a sniper. You know, he had me you know, in his target. Like During that time, it was just this place where it was like you could tell that you were in a place of like there's power around me. And I can only imagine, this is earthly power. I can only imagine what the perusa means. When Jesus returns and says, I am returning and it's, I'm, I'm coming in like a royal visit. It's going to be overwhelming. My presence. Even bigger than Justin Bieber coming into town. Had to. Had to go there. So what we see is we see a timeless God who steps into time in the form of Jesus Christ. A timeless God, deity, stepping into time in the form of Jesus Christ. We see this as you open your Bible to the very first section in Genesis. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We see timeless deity step into time. Deity creates humanity, us 
then deity becomes humanity. Jesus. He says, you won't figure this out on your own, by the way, humans. You won't figure this out on your own. You're incapable. So we read this love story in the Bible, and, and we read it from the beginning, and we read it to the end, and, and all of it is Jesus. And he's saying, he's saying, follow me, and God's saying, follow me. And the Old Testament was, was pushing towards Jesus and talking about his coming, and the New Testament points back to Jesus and his coming. And he's all along, he's saying, so follow me. You won't figure this out on your own. You can't. You're incapable. Depend on me. The Old Testament is God letting man try on our own. All the rules, all the regulations. He's saying, try it on your own, people. And the second half, the New Testament, is God saying, I've got this. I've got this. But you've got to be patient. And you've got to focus on me. So let's hit back to our text. Be patient, therefore, brothers. Until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. Be patient about it. Until it receives the earthly or the early and the late rains. Be patient. Focus on me. God's earthly plan is this is without hope, we're doomed. Without hope, the human race is doomed. The kingdom of God steps into time and invites us to be his church. If you would, I want to jump into another passage right now. So if you would, open your Bible to Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. This is a little tangent that I'm going to tie right back to our text. And so it's on page 567 of your blue Bible, Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. And I think this is such a beautiful tangent that's going to tie in to what church is. How God has continued to lay out this earthly plan and give humans hope. So if you look in, in, in Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 13, going all the way through 20, it's, it's Jesus. And, and who's he addressing? He's talking to the disciples, and he begins to talk to Peter specifically. But he's, he's, he's talking, and he's addressing to the disciples. Because the disciples are gathered there. And there's plural, S, the disciples are there. And Jesus asked them the question, who do you say I am? Are you familiar with this passage? Some of you just recount how many times you've read this or, or begin to skim it right now. But Jesus looks and he says to the disciples, who do you say that I am? And then we see this man, Peter. I love Peter. Can anyone relate to Peter in the Bible? I love Peter. He's crazy. But Peter, what does he say? He says, you, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus looks at him. And he says, Simon Barjona, you're spot on. Simon Barjona, you're spot on. In fact, you're so spot on that there's no way that you came up with that on your own. That had to be revealed to you by God Almighty. Jonah Barsana, or Jonah Bar, Barjona, or Simon Barjona, you are spot on. I'm glad he changed his name. And then you'll see right here, he did change his name, and he says, You are Peter. You are Peter. No longer that long name. Petros is the word that's used in this passage. Petros. You are Peter. Petros, a stone. I will build my church on this rock. 
And there's a difference between that word Peter, Petros, and this word rock, Petra, which means bedrock. So he's looking at Peter and he's saying, you're spot on. I am who you say I am and I will build my church upon this rock, this bed stone, this bedrock. Now, you can read all sorts of brilliant theologians that will talk about this passage, and they'll talk about what the bedrock is. And, and, and the obvious one here is they say, okay, Jesus is the bedrock. Absolutely. We know that Jesus is building his church. But may I propose to you something in this passage? That as Jesus, he's saying, no doubt, this is all about me. This is all about my church. This is about a timeless God, any deity entering into today and being hope for the future, I will build my church on this rock. And who is his original question to? The disciples. And he says, I will build my church upon this rock, the Petra, the bedrock. And remember, it's a plural question. And Jesus is saying, I will build my, that's important, it's all about him, he is the bedrock, I will build my church on this, the church. The disciples, the people that I'm addressing right now, I will build my church on you, and hell shall not prevail. My church, my kingdom, built on the rock of my people. Petros, how are you today? It's a powerful name. Followers of Christ, little stones that come together and make this great rock. And Jesus said, this is my church, and I'm building it on you. Do you grasp how powerful that is? How freeing that is? That a timeless God has stepped into our lives He's looked at every single one of us in the eyes. He said, I will build my church on you. Amen. Thank you, God. It's humbling. Thank you for what you're doing. James, in our passage back in James, is writing to God's church, his people, on behalf of the kingdom. The kingdom, everything that we know. He's writing how to live in in eternal life in this temporal state, like how to walk around in this temporal state, like when you fall off your bike, you actually get bruised. Like he's saying, this is the world that you know, we're temporal, and I'm telling you and I'm calling you into the eternal, and James is writing that. Outward, there's conflict, and we talked about this in James earlier on. We see this conflict, and we see the conflict in the church, and James says, why do you have this outward conflict? It's because internally you have conflict with God. And there's no way that you can have conflict with God and be at peace with man. And James is addressing the church and he's saying, get right with God, get get in peace with God, get in love with God. And and he begins to massage that love and that hope message. And he's saying, when you're right with God, your outward relationships are going to be right. The outward conflict is just a symptom of the internal conflict. The harmony with God creates dependence and trust. And patience. That word patience. There's no way we can be Petros, 
little stones built on the rock and live a life of patience and live a life of love and get along with each other if internally we are not dependent and trusting and patient with God Almighty. This is a powerful, powerful thrust that James is giving to his church. God is saying, I've started something that is in the micro and macro, and I will complete it. I've started something in the micro and the macro, and I will complete it. So let's talk about what what God has started in the micro. God started in the micro, my people and my church. He says, you are my micro, my people and my church. Think about verses like this, Philippians 1.6. Philippians 1.6 says this, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. If God began in you, he's going to bring it to completion. Here's another micro thing that God has done. Psalms 41 through 3, and this is us, his creation, and this is hopefully our prayer. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a new song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. The only way that we, as his church, gain patience and hope and love is to put our trust in God and call upon him. Wait on him patiently. And when we do that, just like this farmer, we begin to see a life of Galatians 5.22 and 24. And this is the fruits that we begin to see with our very life. And you can find it in Galatians 5.22 through 24. And it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Jesus Christ, those who belong to Jesus Christ, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And I ask this very basic question. The fruits of the Spirit, are they worth patiently waiting? Patiently waiting for God to mature you as you grow up? as he begins to make you and mold you to be more like him, as the farmer is content with the different seasons and and they have planted and they have done whatever they can do and then they trust the seasons, whatever God brings and they trust the rain and whatever happens and they trust the hailstorms and they trust whatever. At that point, the farmer has done anything that he or she can do and all they can do is patiently wait. And church, do we do the same with our very life? Trusting. That God is going to finish what he started in us, in the micro. Us. Micro pieces of the stone everywhere that we go, running around. Petros. Part of God's message to the world was you. I'm going to pause on that one because some of us just don't believe that. Part of God's message to the world was you. The true and real you, by the way, established not by popular culture or pulling trends 
but the true you that's squarely seated in the Word of God. And when the true you is squarely seated in the Word of God, and that's where your identity comes from, you will display the gospel message in ways that none of us can. Part of God's message to the world was you. In the micro, being patient, waiting for the fruits in your life. That alone is an incredible message because that impacts us individually. God didn't stop there. He said, I've, I've moved heaven and earth for you. And if it was only for you, I did it. I'm chasing you and I love you. In the micro. But God didn't stop there. We're still just little stones built upon the bedrock. And now we begin to look at the macro. And Jesus says, my church, micro, is part of my kingdom, macro. All of us come together to make the church. And it's a beautiful thing. I love the bride of Christ. Do you? At times I want to I just scream. But at times I want to hug. I love the bride of Christ. I love the church. I love what God is doing here, but that's micro right here. Look around, micro. And God says, I have macro, and it's my kingdom. And he talks about my earthly return is going to be like royalty ushering in. Like there's micro. And Mark 4.30 says this. Mark chapter 4, verse 30 says, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? What can we compare it to? Or what parable shall we use for it? It's like a grain of mustard seed. Welcome aboard, little mustard seeds. It's like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make their nests in it. Like the beginning is so small. When we think about the kingdom of God, it's so small. But then quickly when it explodes into the macro, we see the kingdom of God at large. It's the compilation of every believer in every church making up his kingdom on earth and his kingdom that will reign one day. This is what we're part of, Church Project Greeley. So when we talk about the kingdom of God, We talk about something that's already being lived out in our lives and is yet not fully realized and waiting for royalty to come and usher himself in. God is speaking in the macro and he's saying, my kingdom is like a rhizome root system. A rhizome root system is an interlocking interlocking web of shared existence under the surface one of the, the best illustrations of a rhizome root system are aspen trees. So when you see an aspen tree, it's not existing all by itself with its own cute little roots doing its own little thing. But what is it doing? It's shared and it's passing nutrients and it's being part of the macro church. It's being part of the macro thing. And so this whole big thing is one big organism and that's what his kingdom is. My church is made up of my people that are my kingdom. James is reminding us of this beautiful love story. And he's saying, don't get so caught up in the temple that you forget to have patience and to trust and to focus on God. Church project is like uh, writing a movie, not writing a book. 
Have you heard that? Have you, have you read that anywhere? I was reading a, a great book a couple weeks ago by Donald Miller. And he said this. And I had to pause on it. I don't, I don't think he really took it here, but here's where I took it in my thoughts. Church Project. He didn't mention Church Project, by the way. This was my application to his point, okay? Church Project is like writing a movie, not a book. And I had to think on it. And here's where God really took my thoughts. Books, books you write every word. You create it, you're like, there you go. Like, one author, done. Good deal. Hopefully you make millions. Probably not, but hopefully. You wrote your book. Movies, though, usually look nothing like what you imagine as you wrote the script. Because you have actors who ad-lib and you have producers that elaborate on and on and on. And so we begin this thing called Church Project. And no way can we script it out and say this is what Church Project is going to look like because we're going to have actors that come on the scene. And they're going to be so gifted. We saw, I'm not saying you guys are fake or actors, okay? Let's get off of that illustration. We saw Petros doing their thing this morning and leading us. And they're leading us in directions, and they're leading me in this, and they're leading all of us in this. And as the church at large begins to move as a rhizome root system, and we wait patiently, we begin to see the fruits of the Spirit in the micro and the macro be lived out in our life. And we begin to see this organization, this organism of church, explode as each and every one of us come to life. Movies are much better than books because it takes the individual (laughs) talents. Well, I just, I don't, just leave my illustration alone. Come on, Ginger. It takes a lot more people, let's be fair. It takes a lot more people to make a movie than a book. Well, that illustration's shot, okay? It's okay, Ginger. Let's get, let's get back to our text, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap up here because I think, it's, I think it's very specific what God has for us today. James, let's get back to our, our text. James chapter seven, let's read, or chapter five, verse seven says this: "Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. Just sit on that for a second, church. The prayer is, God, would you continually sanctify us?" Make us more like you, God. And he's going to do it our whole life, isn't he, Grandpa? Being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. Then we get to verse 8. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And James is teaching an eschatological, fancy, fancy word, isn't it? Which means end times. He's teaching an eschatological truth right here, saying, oh, his return is going to be like royalty. Awesome. End time stuff. But life until the eschaton, which is when Christ actually returns. But life until that point should be lived in heavenly wisdom, as James has been teaching us, that is produced in mature faith in every believer. And so he's beginning to wrap up his letter to the church, and he's saying, Christ has not yet come. 
And it's going to be like royalty. And until he comes, until the Eshion, until the return of Christ, it should be lived. Our life should be lived here in heavenly wisdom on earth as we mature in Christ and look more and more like him every day. And our faith begins to match up with with our works. And we begin to do what we say and what we believe. And as a church, we begin to stand up and be part of the rhizome and grow together as an organization and as an organism that is pushing back the gates of hell. And by the way, the story that I read in the Bible, the church is not on the defense. The church is on the offense. It's up, to, it's up to hell to come and defeat us because we are actually pushing them back. We're the ones on the offense. Jesus has won the story. It's a done deal. Oh, Petros out there, built on Petra, Christ. I like in verse 8 as he says, establish your hearts on me. And in me, NIV says, stand firm. This means to confirm its faith through patient endurance. And James is writing, saying, establish your heart, stand firm. Live as the church, as I unite the kingdom. Live as a church. You get this, micro, as I unite the kingdom of everything that I'm doing, my return will be glorious. So let's summarize. James is saying, slow down, be patient, chill out. (laughs) He's saying the coming of our king is, is worth it. And our becoming like our king is worth it. Stand firm, church. Establish in your hearts what and who is true. Wait for it. And oh yeah, by the way, don't miss the joy of the day-to-day moments and what I've done in you and what I continue to do in you and what I've rescued you from and how I've given you hope and how I've broken the addictions in your life, how I've set you free, on and on of the things that only God can do in our life, why don't we tell our hearts to be a little more joyful as we celebrate those moments and not miss those moments, those day-to-day moments, as we patiently wait for God. And I think James has given us here in two verses permission to be patient with yourself. Not to beat yourself up so much. Uh, Next week, as we pick up the next verse, James takes this brilliant teaching. He's a great teacher. He said this week, really, I'm giving you permission to be patient with yourself, but then he takes the teaching and goes, and I'm um, going to teach you how to be patient with each other as we move together as the body of Christ. So I'm not sure where this lands in your heart and in your mind today. But I think a lot of us, as as we live our life in this temporal world and God is calling us into the eternal and 
And he's deity almighty, and he's building the micro thing called his church, and that's us. And he's, he's folding it into the macro thing, the kingdom of God and his return. And glorious above everything is this timeless deity. And he begins to do that. We find ourselves in our cute little corner of existence, and we begin to beat ourselves up because, once again, I didn't do what I was supposed to do. I let you down. I did that thing again. I can never amount up. And here we are, when we see these thoughts, all it is is hell trying to get on the offense and push into your head and defeat you on the micro level. It's, it's Satan trying to whisper what you're not. But church, would you please, would you please just hold on to Philippians 1.6. And what was that that we said? That I am sure of this, that he who began a work in you will bring it to completion to the day of Christ. If we are content with God internally, we live as a church united. Good luck, hell, trying to defeat this. This is what I want to give my life to. Speaking this good news message, I love what God is doing in each and every one of our hearts. I love what he's doing here at Church Project. Though at times it's nasty, isn't it? Man, our house church last week, there were too many people. It was hot. Sorry, I might need to go to counseling after that. But it was beautiful. Because it's never 100% exactly what we want all the time. It's the body of Christ moving together as we grow, as we patiently wait for him to make us more like him every day. As in our micro level, we're so in love with God that at the the macro level, the kingdom of God... Greeley will look at church project and go, something's different there. Something's awesome there. They're having watermelon seed spitting contests. That's craziness. But they're also entering into relationships that are vulnerable and honest as they cry and they pray and they work through hard things like cancer and death. Addictions and divorce, miscarriages. And they celebrate life together, don't they? That's the hope of the world. Good luck finding that anywhere else. In all of existence. Because everywhere else, I just see temporal things. Living in temporal moments. God saying, be patient with me as I build my kingdom in you, church. And then wait for this royal return. That's good stuff there. All right, enough. Why don't we close our Bibles and why don't we just reflect on this? And I don't know what God's going to show you, but hopefully the love of the Scripture just, oh, my goodness. Hopefully you go home and you grab your Bible and just sink in some words. You know, you know, be patient with Scripture. Don't, don't read so much. Just slow down and let the words sink into your heart. Don't read for the quantity of it, man. Read for what God's saying to you. So in this place, God, I pray in every one of us that you would speak to us in this moment. Uh, remove any distraction we may have in our hearts or in our minds right now. And God, we want to hear from you. So just to yourself, church, would you just, you know, talk with God? Say, God, speak to me, please.
Some of us in this room, we, we have no idea what it means to be Petros, to be part of God's kingdom because there's never come a point in our life where we've said, God, I'm done living for myself. So it's impossible to be part of God's kingdom if you're living for yourself. So some of us today, we may need to really do some soul searching and God is chasing after you right now. And my question to you would be, is living life on your own, how's that working out for you? Deity steps into time and he gives humanity hope. And he says, call out to me, humans. All you are weary, heavy laden, I will give you rest. All you that have done wrong in your life, all that have tried and have failed, all that feel like you don't amount to much, oh, if you only saw yourself the way that I do, I love you intensely. I've given everything for you. And I'm waiting patiently for you to call out my name and say, God, I surrender control of my life to you. So maybe in this place this morning, Church Project, as you sit here, if you've never had a moment where you've surrendered control of your life to God, you would just, you would just say a few words to God and just have a prayer with God saying, God, here, here's the deal. I'm done trying on my own. I'm sorry for the ways that I've lived against your word. God, I want to know more about you. Would you please forgive me from the ways my life has departed, gone my own way and my own desires. And God, today's the day I surrender control of my life. I want to be part of the Petros. I want to be part of the rock. I want to be part of your kingdom. I want to know what your forgiveness looks like. I want to know what repentance looks like. I want to know what hope and joy and love looks like. God, I want to know more of who you are. My prayer for you is that you would cry out to God in that moment today. Ask him to be the king of your life. For others of us in this room that say we're, we're Christians already, my prayer is, God, would you please hear our request? God, we submit to you patiently our lives. We wait. We ask for your Holy Spirit to teach us, to guide us, to prompt us. God, please make us more like you. May our lives, our lives be your fruit. God, thank you for creating and sustaining our lives. God, thank you for being our Savior. And today we make you our, our Lord. Align our lives to look more like you. God, please, please break us where we need to be broken. We repent, we turn from those areas that have taken seat on the throne that only belongs to you. God, as your church, as your people, as, as this project of, of humans trying to 
live in the eternal, as we live in the temporal right now, God, my prayer is that with, it's with one hand on the plow that we work. It's with one hand on the plow that we're diligent. It's with one hand on the plow that, that we, we pray and we spend time with you, God. And it's with the other hand we lift and we praise you for who you are, for what you've done. May we be patient internally. May we focus on you. And may we be a church that is patient and loving and submitted to you as we represent hope, joy, and love in this world. God, I praise you for what you're doing. Would you continue to speak to each and every one of us in this place? 